Well, Cowboys fans just pay Dak out the nose, but Houston Texas fans wish they could even have that sort of institutional stability. But pretend we're football for the next hour. I'm your host, Will Bazer, and I'm joined alongside by Johnny Brashear and Timothy Preston, as always. You guys are listening to the beautiful tunes of the Budos Band bringing us in. Go ahead and give them a check out on all the whatevers where you can find music. Texas finished out the season pretty strong. Won six of the last eight. Finished out third in the conference. Pretty good conference record. Go through Texas' regular season. Go through what we were surprised about, what we weren't surprised about, whether or not we're satisfied with the results, what we saw. Talk a little about the Big 12 tournament. Texas faces Texas Tech in the first round. How is Texas going to exercise their demons there? And how much do we even care about the tournament? Then we're going to finish off with a new game. A new game that we're, we're going to start up here. And uh, we'll get to that. So I just got to wait. Guys, that last three-game stretch of the season was uh, pretty cool, wasn't it? You know, there's that game in uh, Ames. There's that game in Fort Worth. But really, the one that I cared about was that one game in Norman. It was pretty cool, wasn't it? I, I enjoy beating Oklahoma only slightly more than I enjoy retweeting dudes who sent me messages of Texas's impending doom, uh, asking them if they're okay. It's as close as I get to scoreboarding people on that site. Um, and I... What about the OU fans who said that they're going to be the number two team in the conference and them ending up seventh. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of nice that Texas for once got the good side of the tiebreakers, you know, like what was it last year where they were, if they had just beaten Oklahoma state, they would have been third or something, a second or third, something like that. And then, or third, cause it wouldn't have been Baylor and Kansas, but third. And they ended up, were they sixth or se- no, they're seventh. They ended up going seventh instead of third. So Oklahoma had the full, 2020 texas experience uh with their last game so it's kind of nice being on the other end of that yeah i'll take it i'll I'll take a win over oklahoma i will take yet another matt coleman dagger in norman uh it wasn't two for three it wasn't wasn't as exciting as the one the year before but i'll still take it still take it it was great Obviously, we're we're gonna kind of hit kind of briefly on the Iowa State and TCU games, and and more so on the Oklahoma game, just because it just it was the best of the games as far as like being the closest and most impactful. But uh, you know, I I also thought that each game kind of had its own you know nuances and and things that made it pretty unique. So it was it was really fun to see you know to for as much as Greg Brown has seemingly kind of struggled over the last at least two or three weeks to see him hit those big free throws. It felt like it. that was one of his better games, at least until the TCU game. Oklahoma was one of the better games for him as far as being a, a ball mover and a passer. It felt like Texas kind of kind of found their mojo a little bit as far as like their shooting selection and stuff. I think they only took like, what, 16 or 17 or 18 threes in that game. It was I mean, they weren't super high volume. You know, they found Jericho a lot and and. We had said after the OU game in Austin, like, look, this is Texas is a better team than Oklahoma, but they were, you know, the the circumstances were so strange and everything was was working against the Longhorns, and so to feel, I don't want to say vindication, but to just feel like, all right, I I, I thought this was the case, I thought we were better than them was it was nice. And as far as the Oklahoma fans, what I, one thing I would say is Texas knows all too well 
what happens when you have one of the guys you depend on just not show up. And it felt like from the very opening tip, Brady Manick in Norman just was a defensive. To call him a liability was would have been, you know, too generous. He was terrible defensively to the point where, like, you know, I don't know that he played almost the whole second half of the second half. It felt like Quather or whatever was in the game that almost that entire time. So yeah, Quath you know, definitely played the majority of the last ten or fifteen minutes. So it was one of those things like we know all too well as Texas fans what it's like to have guys you rely on not play well in big games. So, so and you know for a lot of teams, even a team as talented as Oklahoma, that yeah, you know you're on that knife's edge. And so again, pretty satisfying to see it happen to someone else, particularly in a game that was so impactful for our seating and what it could mean come tournament time. Yeah, I nearly threw up during those free throws. That was <laughs> nerve wracking. I I will say that. I don't think I had nearly the emotional reaction to it or the, the, the sort of you know ups and downs other people did because I had to work while the game was on. So I didn't really see, like I had it in the background just sort of muted and I'd check the score every once in a while and see a play or two here and there, but it got down to the last four minutes or so and I think it was tied at that point or something like that. And, and I turned it off because I was like, I got, I got to finish working. Um, so, so I, I, I logged into, uh, an Oklahoma discord server, sort of like, uh, someone who's watching a horror movie, who's like, not sure what's around the corner. Like I logged into it with like my hands over my eyes. Like, I, I don't know what the score is. And so I saw the score, the final score and I was like, oh, thank God. And so then I got to watch the game and I just didn't have that sort of, Oh God, what's going on? You know, like it's just so I, I, because I knew the end, I, I was able to sort of like be like, it's okay, you know, like just just watch the game, see what's going on. But I'm I'm sure that I would have had uh, more more ups and downs had I not known the score ahead of time. It's like watching somebody else watch a scary movie where you get to laugh at them, yeah, freaking yeah. out, like yeah. like like the fiance watching me watch the Red Wedding for the first time, yeah, that kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> Well, first of all, eat shit, because that was an incredibly scary, <laughs> horrifying 45 seconds or so, or 45 minutes or two hours or however long those those free throws ended up lasting. But you want to talk about any team that you root for. Peaking is maybe a little bit high of a word. Like it's 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 it, it's tough to actually peak. Finding their stride. Yeah. or Or at least obviously getting better in whatever spaces are reasonable for them to do so. And I feel like, you know, in a number of different ways, whether it's finding Jericho more often on some of his slips or whether it's Greg Brown becoming more of a passer or whether it's Courtney and or Courtney and Matthew getting getting better as far as like not being called for charges when they go to the lane or, or, or you know, better shot selection from Andrew or whatever it might be. It's just felt like in the last in the last few games, like, oh, we're doing that better. This has been a, a big deal. And. And to see that sometimes in the more tangible ways of like seeing their play and how they kind of, you know, are making adjustments. But then also to see, I'm trying to think, I know it was Greg. I think Kai shot really well from the free throw line in that game too. For Greg yeah. and Kai to do that, to, to be so solid both in their play, but also just, you know, with their mental fortitude to step up and hit those big shots in that environment with that kind of stuff on the line. It's just like, oh, what a what a really rewarding, great thing both for them and and for the team as we you know i'm a believer that those kind of made shots at the end of those games has some residual carryover and it'd be nice to see like if they step up into the line later on that there is a belief hey we can hit this now 
We've seen a little bit of regression. I felt like Jericho had a really good game from the free throw line against somebody a couple it's, weeks back. Yeah, I don't, it's been a bit, yeah. And then, yeah, it has not has not been that since then. But I, I'm not sure that I think Kai and and Greg are necessarily going to have those same struggles. So we'll uh, we'll take what we can get. Well, one, well one, it, it is. It I'm, is. I'm sorry. Inter- one quick thing, Will. I I know you love it when I interrupt you. I will give Oklahoma credit for one thing. That Kurkwath block on Kai was filthy. That yeah. was that was a grown ass man block. Like Kai does not get that shot blocked by many people, and Quath did it. So props to him for that. I saw that and I was like, oh my god, that's yeah, yeah. That's speaking that's, of that's plays tough. that didn't go Texas's way that were still pretty cool. That <laughs> I knew you were going there. I knew <laughs> right? you were going there. The under the legs dunk that Greg Brown missed. Okay, guys, are you for or against that? Going in because I feel like you're not American or you're not a patriot, you're not a good person if you're not for that. I, I want to see that again 100% for it. Absolutely, I am for it in that specific context. Like, if it was a tie game or something, I would have been completely against it. But they were up what 10 or 12, something like that at that point, and maybe like game- 14 actually. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And they were the, the game was starting to get away from TCU, and he had a clear path. And I have personally seen Greg Brown do that in a game in high school. So, like, it's not like it's out of, you know, if Royce tried to do that, it'd been like, what the fuck are you thinking? But, like... <laughs> Speaking of Royce Ham, that dude is the... I, I don't know what to call him, because... The dude just doesn't understand how to control his body. It's he's just he's, he's going one hundred and fifty percent all the time, which has its pros it and cons. It might not be the correct direction, but he's going one hundred fifty percent that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much, he's and he's been called for like I don't know, let's just say two hundred fouls this season, and he believes he's been accurately called for about forty eight of them. He's <laughs> yeah. he's all like it's it is two fouls quickly picked up. Hands on top of his head, with with his just shoulders sort of slumping. Like I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, I don't know why they called that. I mean, he is bleeding, yes, but <laughs> like, like he's he might have he was the closest thing to getting Greg Brown, you know, knocked out of what was it, Oklahoma, I think, where, where Greg had all the injuries and was just yeah. constantly on the floor, like. And Greg Brown, or excuse me, Royce Ham got him with the biggest hit of the night. Like, Royce is special in his, he's just, he's a unique, it, like, I, <laughs> I, I want to, I, as much as it is infuriating to watch him in close games, I want to appreciate the unique, like, like, he's just this, this walking, not walking, this running maelstrom. <laughs> like he's just it's just a constant maelstrom of energy and elbows and feet and surprise <laughs> at being called by for fouls. And I, oh, okay. I when he's gone, I will love him so much more than I do right now because I will have all of these memories of him picking up he five fouls in five minutes, which he did this year against Sam Houston State. I did not. I've, I've been talking all season about how I wanted to see him do it, forgetting that he has already done it. He's already picked fouled out in five minutes of action. It's extraordinary. He's he. If this was hockey, Royce Hand would be the enforcer. Yes, 100%. he would be the goon. Absolutely. 
Yes. Absolutely. Actually, well, okay, so would he be the goon? Because the goon, like, knows their role, and they know they're the goon, right? He'd be the accidental goon. Yes, he is the the accidental Tasmanian devil, is what he is. But going over the end of Texas season, those last three games were pretty important for Texas, mostly that Oklahoma game. Because going out on the season six and two instead of five and three sounds a lot better, especially coming off of a stretch where you went one and four over February. So having that be the end of the season, right? Where it seems like January, you were awesome. February, you kind of lost because of the COVID and just Shaka Smart's awful, awful luck. Ending off the season with that six out of eight stretch with your two losses being to West Virginia, not a pretty loss, but a very close one. And Texas Tech, again, not a, not a pretty loss. But still, you know, having a win over Kansas, having a win over Oklahoma, and then taking care of TCU in Iowa State and TCU in Kansas State, that's a nice way to end off your season. Yeah, obviously, four of those six are kind of cupcakes. But still, it's a nice end of the season. And, you know, it's, it's interesting that it puts you finally in the correct side of the tiebreakers. You're the third place team. You're 11 and six in conference. Y'all, this season has been a roller coaster. I just said, right? You had the amazing start February and then the end. What played out the way you thought it would this season? Well, I, I think we were we're somewhat close. I you know I talked a lot in the first couple of months of our podcast, or at least once we got to the beginning parts of the conference season, and talked about twelve, 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 and we didn't quite get there. I think it's relatively safe to say that if we had played that eighteenth game at you know which would have been at Baylor would have been you know pretty unlikely at best. So, but it was it was close to sort of what we had the impression that it might be. I guess what what I was hoping for most of this this year as we came off of some of the previous seasons with Shaka was it, it felt like there were at least one and maybe two games every single year in the conference season that felt like, you know, this is a game we should have won, you know, home against Oklahoma state last year. It felt like there was a game against TCU every damn year or like a, you know, against a bad Kansas state team or like against a, you know, a a middling Iowa state team or, or whatever team you want to kind of, pick and choose that it was it just felt like okay well every year we were good for a couple of these bad losses and I had hoped that we were going to be past that with this team whether it was because just a sheer abundance of talent or whether it was because we had you know the veteran leadership in the backcourt I don't know if I would say expected it but I would certainly say I I had hoped that that would be the case so that was that was a big thing you know and then from from a standpoint of how would we take some of the the most recent previous games what I liked about these last three games, the win against, you know, the win at Iowa State, win at OU, the win at TCU, is it felt like they happened in pretty different ways, you know, and in some cases kind of fluky, but also pretty fun. Like, you know, the the Iowa State win seemed a little bit fluky just from a standpoint, like there, we could run that press against Iowa State. I'm not sure how many teams we can run that press against that are just going to throw the ball to Kai in the backcourt. It's like, oh, nice press, Texas. Here you go, Kai Jones. Yeah. So <laughs> just, again, it just felt a little fluky. Like, okay, we're... I don't think against good teams we can run that. We just don't seem to have the defensive intensity or the awareness that it kind of takes with that. I think it's Oklahoma. I think we shot, what was it, like 20 of 21 from the foul line or something like that. So, again, not not that we're incapable, but a little fluky. And then against TCU. 20 of 21 of 
that's the non Jericho free throws. It was twenty to twenty three <laughs> right. overall. Oh, okay, and then you know, so from from a standpoint of just what we're we're looking at against TCU, just it, we felt better than them, which is good. And and we've been asking for a long time for us to just what if we could just be solid? What if we could just avoid crappy losses and actually beat the teams that we're better than? And is there a universe where this Texas team is 14 and three in conference? I suppose so, but I'm not going to sit here and look at 11 and six and be frustrated because, you know, yes, theoretically there is, there's a, there's a one seed in this team somewhere, or at least a two seed, but look, if we're a three or four seed, that's, that's still a dang good season and, and a big jump up from, from everything by far that we've been. So, you know, what of that I thought was going to happen versus what actually did happen or, or whatever. I, I don't know for sure, but I, I had a sinking suspicion this was going to be a year that we could maybe avoid some of those bitter losses. And the fact that that came through was, yeah, rewarding and good. You know, as much as I know how a, a plurality of our fan base is not happy about the current state of affairs because, you know, when when are they? The fact that there's no Radford or no Kent State, and I know I said this last week, but I'm going to reiterate, the fact that there are none of those bad losses out of conference, in conference, wherever, is a sign of progression. It is a sign of this team being better than previous Shaka teams and a sign that this program may be moving in the right direction, Um, at least for this year. Well, you know, whether they do it long term, who, who has any idea, but in previous seasons, they probably dropped that TCU game. Like, it was a a game that was not particularly close because TCU was handing the ball over and Texas took advantage. Whereas in some previous years, they would have, you know, jacked up more ill-advised threes or they would have turned the ball over more themselves. And this game that wasn't really super competitive would have turned into a competitive game that they might have lost. I mean, because they have lost in Fort Worth before, right? <laughs> Just to teams, to TCU teams that are on this relative level. Yeah, so it's, it's it's you know, it, sometimes no news is good news. And when they go to Iowa State, win in a fairly pedestrian fashion, when they go to TCU and win in a fairly pedestrian fashion, that's fine. Like, that's what you're supposed to do, you know? Even, even peak Kansas teams would have some games where they would, you know, they just sort of, they're going 80% and it's good enough. And... That's that's sort of I mean it's maybe not exactly what Texas did but it's kind of the same thing. So as far as you know what what do I think got, I I got right? I, I mean I, I'm sure I would have missed on individual losses and wins had I sort of charted out the whole season, but 11 and 7 was sort of my ballpark idea of what this team would be in conference play. Um and I thought they would probably drop some road games and probably drop a couple home games. I, th- I guess one of the things I got wrong is that they lost more at home than I expected, um, but they also won more on the road than I expected. You know, overall, it sort of averaged out to be about what I thought. Um, the particulars varied here and there. Like I said, I would have expected some some wins at Austin. Again, like, given COVID, given the flux of the schedule, given, you know, everything that's gone on, no fans, some fans, some Kansas being terrible and then really turning it on or Oklahoma State being better than I thought they'd be and Iowa State being worse than I thought they'd be. Like it all sort of in aggregate averaged out to be about what I thought in terms of where Texas would fall. I, I picked them fourth. 
I wanted to pick him third, but I was just gun shy having picked him third in previous seasons. Um, so I put Tech ahead. Really glad that didn't pan out because fuck Tech. But uh, overall, I'm okay with it. Like I, I said this in the in the recap on Substack. I said if if I had come to Texas fans in October and said Texas is going to end the regular season in the top fifteen, third in the conference in the running for like a three or four seed, pretty much everybody would have taken that pretty happily, I think, you know. And, and maybe the fact that they did so well in December and January artificially raised everybody's expectations, so now they're disappointed. But Texas hasn't been a three seed in over a decade now, and they got a legit shot at being that now if they if they can do something in the Big 12 tournament. Even if they're just a four seed, they still haven't been better than that much. So, you know, overall, I'm fine. I'm good. Y'all might be, I guess, satisfied with how the season played out. I'll be honest, I'm a little disappointed. And it's not because of anything that's really the team could have, I guess, controlled. I guess they could have controlled a little bit of it. But really, I thought this team had some potential to be the number two team in the conference. And they they did. I mean, they were just they were just that, you know, one or two games away from it. And those one or two games are the ones that happened in February. Right? I think this team could have been one of these all-time Texas teams. But the season got derailed. When you look at what they did in January, what they did in November and December as well, this team had some potential to be a great all-time team. Now, right, even the Texas Tech loss, that's going to happen. Some of those games are going to happen. But after that game and after the Kansas State game, when they had a postponement against Iowa State, TCU, and then they just basically went, you know, stretches of not playing. And they had to play Oklahoma and didn't have, what, five of their players or three of their players. They had eight players on the court, right? Then they had to play Baylor after that. And then they had to play Oklahoma State after that. And it just... It was just a bad stretch for Texas that really hurt what could have been a tremendous season, an all-time season for this program. So, while yes, right, 11 and 6 is what we, you know, the fat part of that bell curve as Johnny pointed out, right? It's it's the thing that you're satisfied with. I'm upset, I'm disappointed not the team, but just the way it played out because Sans COVID, this season could have been an all-timer. You know, they kept it close with Villanova. They kept it close. They they could have kept it close with, with Baylor had they not been coming off of a stretch where they literally had not played. You know, they they beat all these good teams. They're only they never had a bad loss. They never had a bad loss. And the only losses they had were to ranked teams. And most of those were like last second shots or mental gaffes like against Texas Tech. Stuff like that is just, you know, it's gutting, right? As a Texas basketball fan, because this the finally you get a season of, damn, we're a good team. But you really don't get that season. You really don't. Do you want me to rub a little more salt in the wound? Do it. If Baylor is undefeated right now, Texas is second in the conference. Kansas being Baylor killed Texas shot at second place. Right now they would be 11-6. and six. Kansas would be 11-7. and seven. And and Texas would have beaten West Virginia on the tiebreakers. But I think, here's the thing is, I think Texas would have easily gotten to that 12-game win 
that Tim put out there had there not been COVID this season. It's just Shaka Smart's luck. It is Shaka Smart's luck. It is Texas basketball's luck that they have their best team in a decade. And it happens to fall on a season where you have a once in a century plague and a once in every few like decades snowstorm. It is just unbelievable. It is unbelievable that that happens. That those two events, those three events coincide. So, yes, the Texans, I am guess I'm whelmed by the season, right? That they finished off 6 and 8, 6 out of the last 8, you know, with wins. That that they went 11 and 6 in conference, right? That they end off the season probably cementing a 4 seed. Fine. But if none of that, ha- if you didn't have the COVID, if you didn't have, you were a two seed or a three seed. You are talking about this team in, in terms of like, oh man, this team is like the one that TJ Ford played on or the one that, you know, you had with DJ Augustine and LaMarcus Aldridge. That's what you're talking about. Instead, we're talking about, man, you know, thank God we're the th- number three in the conference. Yeah, I, you know. I mean, I guess the the only minor rebuttal I have to this, and it's not not a strong one, is that everyone has dealt with COVID. Outside, Kansas is the only team that didn't have a pause in the Big Twelve. Baylor had their pause, and they came back and almost lost to Iowa State. Which, by the way, I would have loved for Iowa State to get off their offer against Baylor for a lot of different reasons. Oklahoma is a significantly different t- team this year if Brady Manick never gets COVID. There's just a lot of, you know, everybody's dealt with it. And as much as I, like, I understand your point. I understand your, your, your sort of gripe about the, the, you know, serendipity of these situations. It's still, everybody's dealing with it, you know? And it's just, it's just, it, it sucks, but it doesn't uniquely suck for Texas. The the snowstorm does suck. That, that does suck. Like, and it, and there's, there's a good argument to be made that they should not have played that game coming off the snowstorm. That was what the West Virginia game at home. Yeah. Like there, there's a decent argument to be made that when some of your players are technically homeless, maybe don't play a game, <laughs> but yeah, uh, overall it's, you know, I, I hear you. I guess it just, because it's so unique and so generational in sort of the situations they were in it doesn't it doesn't bother me that much because it's sort of you know how can you possibly plan for that i don't know if i'll split the difference but i guess i will say that i will rue the fact that that texas didn't find their way to 14 or 15 conference wins this year when i think it was a it was there you know like again we talked about that there the one point home loss to OU, the the two point home loss to Tech, the the double overtime loss to Oklahoma State, like there there were games that were there. Now obviously they they had that narrow win at K State, the narrow win at West Virginia, so it it certainly cuts both ways. But I think this team had a chance, and and I understand people being upset about not having a higher finish given that. Now it it certainly doesn't appear that no matter what the circumstance, we were ever going to take first. So if there's, you know, it's it's a bitter pill to swallow, but I'm not sure that taking third in the conference at 11 and six is decidedly better than than being second in the conference at 12 and five or whatever else, you know. So from that standpoint, I kind of it's it's sort of whatever. And but but here's here's what I really <laughs> here's what what I where I take the most solace. 
I've been really thinking for a long time that Shaka, for all the high level things that he does, where he has struggled is to is to figure out how to win with young, decent but not great guards. When Andrew was a freshman, we were trash. Matt was a freshman and we kind of underachieved, but we're okay. Ramey was a freshman. We win the NIT. Congrats to us. You know, uh, last year, you know, when, when Matt was a junior and Courtney was a sophomore, we were fine. Um, but we've been pointing towards this year where it felt like, okay, well, this is, this is a season where there's senior Coleman, junior Ramey, junior Jones. Yeah. All right. Well, this should be arguably the best team that we've had. And lo and behold, not only is it the best team, it's kind of far and away the best team. I guess at this point, I don't even think you can, you can really, uh, argue Shaka's first year with like Taylor and Felix and, and eBay and Ridley at this point, it's just, I just don't think it's really close. So why I, why I take so much positives from it is I'm pretty sure Ramey and Jones are going to be back next year. I think at least there's a decent chance that a guy like Febris could be back next year. I, you know, I don't know for sure, but I think there's a chance. And then we're adding a guy like Tamar Bates. And so what makes me, you know, simultaneously like Will disappointed that it wasn't better, but also kind of hopeful in the same, in the same light is if De'Aaron Fox doesn't come to Texas, if if a guy like DJ Augustine or TJ Ford is not walking through the door right now, which he hasn't walked through the door under Shaka, although, I mean, Andrew was a McDonald's All-American, so that's as close as we've gotten. But if those guys haven't been there, then what we need to do is make sure that we're that we're keeping our guards, that we're growing them, and that when they become veterans, we've got some leadership. And so it does feel like he has got that ball rolling, which at the very least makes you feel like, okay, if we can count on him you know, sustaining these with, with, with veteran guards, that that's, that's what college basketball is kind of built on. And so I'm, I like that he's shown that this year. So we know how we feel about the season, right? But what surprised you about the season COVID notwithstanding, what was it that really stuck out about the season that you were, that kind of threw you for a loop? Cause we already know what played out the way you thought it was, how you felt about the results. But again, what kind of threw you that, that right hook you weren't looking at? Well, one thing I was surprised by is Will Baker transferring. Um, I didn't didn't see that coming. I, I didn't know how much he was going to play. I felt like he would play a, a decent amount. But I, um, while I thought there were going to be one or two transfers, probably, I did not think he was likely going to be among them. Gerald transferring doesn't super surprise me, I guess, uh, especially as we started to see how the, the, the rotation was coming along. Beyond that... I was surprised by how well Kai played. I mean, he hasn't been a all he hasn't always been great, but when he has been great, it has been a significant progression from where he was last year. Um that's been nice. Uh I am pleasantly surprised by the strength and conditioning of the team. Um I, I've always thought Andre Hoodie Hold on, was, hold on. I wanna I wanna take to take this one before y'all take it. I'm surprised they swept Kansas. Yeah, fair. Fair, yeah. I definitely okay, continue. Continue with whatever you were saying because I, yeah. I wanted to take that one before y'all. Yeah, no, that's that's that good. One. Yeah, no, that that is le- that is legitimately surprising. I was not expecting that either. So that's that's a good one. Um, that is definitely a good one. Um, I am surprised they didn't drop a game to somebody they should shouldn't have. Like it, it's, I I was hopeful that they would take care of business against the the lower echelon of the Big Twelve, but I am surprised they actually did it. So. I guess that's probably where I would where I would go with things in terms of like sort of the most notable surprises to me. 
Yeah, I guess two things for me. I've been pretty surprised that we had the record that we do with really only one actual A or A plus game. It it feels like the the game. Which at, game was that? Which game was that A plus game for you? Come on, my guy. You okay. just talked about so it. Just checking. Just checking. <laughs> so I, I mean, it, obviously, a win like that in Lawrence is is. To call it once in a lifetime would be to pretend that other schools have done that before. So, so it's really not even that. But, but it, it that's that's the only game you can really point to. We're like, wow, we were we were firing on all cylinders. And so, f- I guess I thought that we would beat a lot of teams with a combined, at least goodness, if not greatness. And I've been surprised at the way that this team has kind of found ways to win um, or like manufactured wins, even when they weren't playing particularly great. The other thing that I'm going to say, and I, and I'm super guilty of this. I'm super guilty of this. I think the person, if you asked me who maximized from this team or made the most of, of what they were capable from this team, I think the case is Jericho. Yep. I think as far as like closest to what he can do at a high level or, or at the very least, like, I don't know. I'm just, I can't, I can't go, I can't get over how impressed I've been with him the last, at least the last three or four weeks. And obviously defensively, he's been terrific all year long. I mean, he just, he gives you so many options because he's a legitimate, you know, rim defender at the the post. He's, he's as good as any big man guarding perimeter players I've, I've ever seen. Like, I don't know that I, I mean, maybe I guess you could say like a guy like Giannis, or someone like Kevin Garnett or something, I suppose. But at the college level, with what we've seen, he's been absolutely terrific. And I, I'm i just really impressed. At the beginning of the year, I think I was talking about, I don't know, I, I think I might play Baker over him or get Kai minutes at the five over him. And at this point, to say that he's vital is, is cutting it short, man. He's been <laughs> absolutely essential to what the team's been doing. So I, I did not see that happening. I, I'm, and I'm really, 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 really proud and happy for Jericho because, man, that kid's... You know, I'm sure the roller coaster that is Jericho Sims' time at Texas. It's neat for him to 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 play this well and and kind of show out in that way. Yeah, I think the best way to describe his perimeter defense is that teams are no longer trying to get guards switched off on him. They there's enough film out there that they just don't do it anymore. It, they'll they'll try and switch on it, the, any other team out there, including McCormick. Maybe not Culver. I don't know, but like. Other teams, that's their big thing is setting up the horns and 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 trying to get a switch off onto the big. And with Jericho, they're like, "Yep, nope, not gonna do it." He's he's yep. Let me say this, and this is this is wild. I'm actually more than okay, probably better, even when Jericho switches with Matt. Like I'd probably at this point rather have Jericho guarding a point guard ball handler than Matt, which just seems. <laughs> stupid to me i i i am such a believer in matt's defensive game and this is like yeah i think jericho's the play like when he switched on to reeves <laughs> against OU, i'm like good yeah let's fucking go you know and reeves had that one stupid banked in three at the end of the first half and but other than that it's just like yeah jericho like <laughs> he's our best rim defender and our best perimeter defender and our best on ball defender and like his okay <laughs> footwork on the perimeter is phenomenal is- really yeah. impressive it's stupid yes. it's so cool like yeah yeah like if he he's gonna end up being like a undrafted free agent that's gonna get like on a two-way contract or something and blow somebody's mind <laughs> i was walking like, my dog tonight thinking about that like boy if he 
if he goes to the Lakers and plays with LeBron, <laughs> that's really going to help his game. And then I was like, said every fucking player of all time. <laughs> right, if I yeah, go play with yeah. LeBron, I could be better. <laughs> yeah, you think? But he could. Like, I, if he, I, I, I do fear for his mental wellness if he goes to a team with douchebags. Like, I don't want him to go to the Hawks. I don't want him to go <laughs> to some of these teams. Are like a little bit nervous about that. But if he goes to a team in the pros with a strong veteran leadership and like shows that he can defend out there and do the and like can can catch lobs from wherever, like I, there's a pro future for him, and not just like overseas or G League. Like I thought twelve months ago, but maybe he I, maybe he can play in the pros. I mean, I, maybe. I mean, if it, during the TCU game, King King McClure, who is one of the you know younger ESPN analysts, is he's not good. Lightly. Let's be clear. He's, he's I, it's, I think like I'm I don't I don't hate him. Like I I think it's he's 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 getting his feet wet, right? But yeah. what's interesting is that he's young enough that like he still he played against Jericho. And he talked about for that. like he's two like, years. <laughs> yeah, he's he's like I played against him as a freshman. He said something to the effect of, "If you had told me when he was a freshman, he would he would do this, I would not have believed you." Like he is so much better than he was as a freshman. And like between that and King, just just about losing himself when Greg went for that dunk. Those were the two highlights. Really, yeah. We got to go back to that because we'll cut us short on the Greg Browning. Here's so obviously you want you, you got to do it. You have to do that, Greg. You have to have to have to do that. The other reason he has to do that is because the, the best Greg Brown is a supremely confident Greg Brown. And as he he has to do that. And I understand people are like just go up and two hand flush it. Like I hear you. That's not the Greg Brown we need. We need the Greg Brown that's shitting on people. We need the Greg Brown that's 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 thinking like, yeah, I can knock down this 27 footer off of step back three with whatever, with a hand in my face from my behind my shoulder or whatever it is. Like that's the Greg Brown that we need. And so if that, if that Greg Brown is who's going to try to have that dunk, then fine. Bring and it I'll, in. I'm Bring upset that Shaka Smart wanted to take him out after that. What are you yeah. doing? Come on, my yeah. guy. Yeah. It's, I, I, well, to, and to his credit, he listened to Ramey who said, don't take him out. You well, there was a guy. Like, so we we have a chat. We have a group chat with with a few friends, and there's a guy in our group chat. He's like, "No, I'm upset that uh, he listened to Ramey. He wanted he didn't take him out." I don't get that. I yeah, don't I get that. I'm hey, calling was that on you our out. Discord? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Someone said that exact same thing on Inside Texas. I yeah I yeah I I am I am glad that Craig went for the dunk. I am sort of glad that Shaka wanted to bench him, and I'm even more glad that Ramey was a, that he listened to Ramey, and Ramey had the point. Like Ramey, possibly the biggest dick on the team, was the voice of reason. Possibly, like, yeah. Possibly, well, I don't know these guys in their private life. Possibly, you know, yeah. <laughs> he practice, he might practice. he might help We're old ladies across the street in his spare time. I don't know. Like I just I'm just saying. Like I I don't know. He he might he might be doing someone else's homework right now because he cares about them. You don't know that. Possibly. But speaking <laughs> about Greg Brown and what surprised us this year, I'm surprised maybe y'all aren't, but I'm surprised that Greg Brown didn't have a little bit more of an impact. Now he had an impact as a rebounder and he had an impact as a blocker, as a defender. I'm surprised he didn't have more of an impact as a guy getting fed the ball and making things happen off ball. I'm surprised that he didn't get more points, honestly. You know, yeah. 
that's probably because he's he's a freshman, but still, you know, the time the only time I really saw him use his athleticism against a good team was that Oklahoma State game in the early in the year. Where he was yeah, up I against mean, Cade I... Cunningham. I'm surprised that also on the side on the opposite side of that, Brock Cunningham was one of your best guys off the bench. Who was your kind of opposite to Greg Brown? Yeah, one of them is definitely more gravity bound than the other, for sure. Um, <laughs> the, I th- um, yeah, I guess the thing with, with Greg is that, you know, because of his high ranking coming in, and because of sort of the hype that he and his 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 crew have built around him. A lot of people were thinking like, oh, well, this might be the best guy since Kevin Durant because he was one of the highest recruit, you know, highest, uh, you know, in five star guy, like one of the highest recruits since then. Um, but he didn't he doesn't have the, the same sort of refined game that Durant did. And so the, the issue is more than anything that the Big 12 is really good at scouting. They're really good at figuring out what people are good and bad at. And Greg Brown is and they play as, you twice. Yes, they so they get to try twice. it out and then you know figure out what went wrong. Yeah, and and maybe fifteen years ago, Greg Brown would have wrecked shop in the Big Twelve because there wouldn't have been synergy where they, people could look at every single clip and go, "Oh, well, he goes to his left, he scores this much; he goes to his right, he's this much." You know that kind of thing. Like there, there would have been less of that, so maybe he would have had a greater impact back then. But um, he is a hyper athletic dude with very limited options in offensively. Um, so teams can game plan around that. And, you know, he's, he's had some good games and some rough games and it's just sort of, I mean, it's just sort of Greg at this point. He's, he's going to get drafted off talent and potential. And now Johnny, please talk about Brock Cunningham. Brock Cunningham will probably never play a single minute in the NBA because he will be too busy taking a place in my heart. But is he not a surprise this season? Because I was not expecting I, this know, out of Brock Cunningham, at least not this early on. Well, I mean, I guess I, I I am not surprised being the you know founding member of Brock Cunningham Mountain. So it doesn't surprise me. What uh, and we saw it last year when they had all the injuries and he had played a bunch of minutes. You started to see like what he does, what he does well, and what he does poorly. Uh, shooting is the poorly part. Well is all the other things. And so, you know, it's, it's good that Shaka was like Doge Balbay in in terms of, he does everything else well, but shooting is just not his thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, that's fair. Like it's, it's a very, um, non shooting skill set is what he's got. I don't know that Doge ever went and got rebounds like Brock does. Oh no, I'm not saying it like that. It's a different Doge. yeah. 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 So it's. I mean, it's a guy that, like, when he's your seventh or eighth guy, that's perfect, mm-hmm. right? Like, or even if he's the fifth guy, if you got a bunch of shooters around him, he's he's awesome. So I guess I'm not really surprised because I, I mean, he's been doing this stuff since AAU. He's been that guy who just seems to end up with the rebound. He's the guy who ends up, like, poking the ball out from behind. He's the guy, you know, like, he just does that stuff. Like, that's his thing. And I'm glad he and Shaka got on the same page so that, that he could be deployed in such a way. Um, but it's not, I, I, 
I guess he's, it's not surprising to me. I, I'm happy that they figured it out and the team is better for him being around, but I'm, I'm not surprised. So I think we've gone over all we can really for this regular season, unless y'all have some more parting words about the regular season. Anybody? No. Well, then let's go ahead and take a look at this Big 12 tournament because Texas found themselves as the three seed there after winning all the tiebreakers by sweeping Kansas. So, great part about that is you're the three seed in the tournament, right? The bad part about it is you're playing the team that swept you during the season, Texas Tech. Now is the time, this Thursday is the time, to exercise your demons against Chris Beard. Now... Why has Texas Tech had Texas' number, especially this year? What has it been, and how do you beat them this time? Well, I think that we've seen that Texas kind of their, I don't want to say kryptonite, but obviously Tech does a lot of the things well where Texas can kind of struggle. Tech takes away the middle of the lane, and we haven't shot threes particularly well against them. Tech forces your ball handlers into tough situations where you're kind of out of control, and Texas has struggled with that again. Um, Tech has some some good defend. They've got three or four defenders that are that are all pretty high level. Whether it's PV or Shannon or McCuller or I'm missing somebody. Sorry, but but they that can all switch and guard different spots on the perimeter. And, and Texas has struggled against that. And I think that there's there's been enough situations where McClung hit just enough shots in Austin, and Texas kind of struggled just enough with their with their offensive flow in in Lubbock that it just they just weren't able to kind of put it all together. And now you know that a lot of the things when we talk about it, how how easy to, is it to beat a team's three a team three times in a season? I mean that that's legit. Like it's the same thing. Like if if I were Tech, I obviously you're you're glad you swept us in the in the regular season, but you kind of feel like, okay, can we, can lightning strike three times in the same way that we would probably be feeling the same way if, if Kansas beats who we assume will be OU, but if Kansas beats them, can we beat the Jayhawks three times in one season? I guess we'll see. But similar to how, like, you know, we said before the Kansas game, I think that we match up with Kansas pretty well. Texas Tech seems to match us, match up with us pretty well too. So I think, you know, we've, we've watched Texas struggle in a number of games with their ability to take care of the ball. Now we've shot well enough or we've gotten playmaking from some of our guards enough, you know, to kind of offset that against tech. We have not. So are we able to get that in this game? Um, or does tech kind of put it together? Now it's, it's one of those weird things where are either of us actually playing for something? Do, does tech think that if they win a couple of games that they can get all the way to a four seed or it seems a touch unlikely, do we feel like if we win this game that we can go all the way to the Big 12 tournament or title game and have a good shot against Baylor? I mean, maybe, but we play the late game every every game, and so that's kind of tough because you're talking about three games in like 44 hours. That's you know, you know, not like conference tournaments are easy for anybody, but that's that's a little bit tougher because we're getting the least amount of rest every game that we play. So, I I certainly don't. I would probably expect a win against Tech, as weird as that sounds, just because, again, I I don't think that we're a team that's going to lose them three times, nor do I think that they're so much better than us that we can't get that done. But a loss wouldn't surprise me either, and I I do think it's because where we are probably weakest is where they happen to be strongest, Um, whereas a lot of other teams in the Big 12, their strengths don't match up quite as exactly with our weaknesses. 
with like forcing a guy like Greg to or Andrew or maybe even Courtney sometimes or occasionally Matt to to ball handle against pressure in the middle of the lane against a collapsing defense. And that's just what tech does best. And and so they, you know, they're, they're kind of tailor made to, to hurt us where we might have the most struggles, whereas other teams are less so. I am not going to enjoy watching this game regardless of outcome. Tech, especially, you know, under Chris Beard, they are always very sound defensively. They may not be historically great this year, but they are still a very good defensive team. They force a lot of turnovers. They play a slow tempo. And those are two things that Texas does not deal with particularly well. Um, Texas already turns the ball over enough on their own, much less a team that applies pressure. uh, And a team that does not get out and run causes every possession to matter incrementally more. So it's probably going to be a rock fight. And that's what Tech wants. Tech wants a rock fight. They want a slow rock fight. They want to play a game where they win 63 to 58 or something. And so that's not an enjoyable form of basketball. And I'm not going to enjoy watching it, even if Texas wins. I'll enjoy the win, but I don't think I'm going to sit back at the end of this, barring some Texas blowout and be like, oh, yeah, that was a good use of two and a half hours. I don't see any reason why Tech couldn't win this a third time. You know, there's there's some math out there on teams that pl- have beaten somebody twice. How likely are they to win a third time? And it's they're more likely to win a third time because they were enough better to win twice. So while I don't think Texas is or should be Tech is a significant favorite, they probably should be a mild favorite in this. Um, I I just. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let out a little secret here. I, I don't care how this game turns out. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point, y'all. How much do you actually care, and how much does this actually affect Texas's season? And they're not just their season, but going into March Madness. How if Texas does beat Texas Tech and Kansas, does that actually give them a three seed? Or if they do lose to Texas Tech, could that drop them down to maybe the last four seed? What is it? that this does here. So let me give you the pros and cons of this, of this game. Um, the, the reasons why you should care about this game beyond just beating tech and telling Chris Beard to eat shit is that if Texas wins this game, uh, and let's, you know, wins against Kansas or not either way, um, they have a shot at a three seed potentially, uh, if they win this game, um, if they don't win it, they're probably a four seed, but also, if they don't win it and Tech goes on a run, Tech could pass them by in the rankings, potentially, and maybe Tech becomes a four seed and Texas becomes like the strongest fifth seed or something. So you should care in that being a three seed is a better better run than a four seed because you don't face a one seed until the Elite Eight as, instead of the Sweet 16, which matters. Um, if especially you're, this year, yes, especially this year, uh, and especially if you are in the Gonzaga or Baylor bracket, uh, marginally less so for Michigan and Illinois, but still, you, you still would rather face them one round later if you can. So it matters in that sense. I, and you know, given that where Texas is in bracket matrix, they've passed Florida State, they're sort of the top four seed right now in the aggregate, and Villanova could very well fall below them given 
their injury and if they have an early exit from the Big East, then maybe Texas works its way into like sort of one of the last couple three seed spots. Plus, if Texas goes on a run in the Big 12 tournament, that gives them a very good argument for a three seed and maybe a late two seed if things fall the right way. That's probably fairly unlikely, but it's, it's, you know, it's at least on the fringe of possibilities. Why you shouldn't care is because you need to not have the Rona to play in March Madness. And I personally don't really care if Texas loses, if it means they get to go home and bubble up and not like hang around Kansas, who hasn't had a pause and is therefore the largest viral vector in this entire goddamn tournament. You know, I get, I mean, it's Texas is not in the bubble. They are not fighting for their lives. They, they are locked in the tournament somewhere between three and five in all likelihood. So at that point for me, the eyes are the, the Eyes are on the prize, and that's playing in March Madness. And given the amount of negative tests that both the players, the coaches, and uh, you know associated staff have to have for them to even go to Indiana in the first place, much less stay there, I, I'd rather they sit in a bubble and read a book and play Call of Duty or whatever, right? Like, it's just fucking stay away from strangers. No randos near the team, because... If we're talking about the unluckiest coach you've seen in a long time, how unlucky would it be for them to miss out on March Madness and Duke gets put into their place because they got three positive tests after David McCormick coughed on them all or whatever? Why would you right? even put that into the atmosphere, into into the universe? Why? Because you need to hear it. I so. I do think that a win over Tech gives us a pretty good shot at three. I'm not sure that I really care beyond that. I think that 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 win over tech exercises some demons from an emotional standpoint, but I also think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a good win and makes a difference. And if Texas were to, to, to beat tech and lose to Kansas, then fine. I don't think that that Kansas loss would make a big difference because I think the committee would see what we've done against Kansas this year. I agree with what Johnny says. It makes sense to me. One, a person on the website, sorry, person, if you're listening to this, I can't remember who, who said it for sure. Um, but they talked about how this year was a little bit different because the first round games this year aren't until Friday uh, of next week as opposed to Thursday. So it's not like we're playing the Big 12. Um, we're playing the Big 12 tournament championship if, if Texas were to get there on like a Sunday and then you turn around and have a first round game on Thursday. It would be Saturday and then the next Friday at the earliest and maybe not even until the next Saturday if we if we played the first round game that day. So it's a little bit different from that standpoint. And so... I so yeah, Johnny's not wrong, and I think if if Texas loses the game to Tech, which maybe he's right, maybe it is more likely that they lose than that than that they would win. But um, if that happens, fine. But I think if they you know if they beat Tech, there's there's certainly a chance to play for something. And I and I guess you never really know as far as what things are going to break your way. I mean, obviously, let's say Villanova drops to a four. Well, whoever is the five with Villanova in that bracket probably feels pretty damn lucky. You know, if that were Texas or whoever, then then cool for us. But so it's 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 a crapshoot to kind of figure out which which teams are going to fall and which spots. How the committee kind of makes their decision. We're still pretty low in the net ratings. Although I want to say, what was it like, like Colgate or Hartford or something like that was top ten. <laughs> like I, I have a hard time believing they're going to be a three seed over us. But there's a lot of moving parts with all this stuff. But I I I'm still hopeful they beat Tech for a number of reasons, both personally and because I think that there's actually probably a decent chance that there's that there's a seat on the line with that game. Here's here's why I think going deep in the Big 12 tournament is good. You ready for it? 
win good, lose bad. The end. Well, and you know the last time Texas shared or won a regular season title? No, because have they? 08. So it's been 14 or 13 or 14 years. You know, so from that standpoint, like it's, I, I, it, it would be one thing for Shaka to say, hey, we turned it around. But if he could actually go to recruits and say, we won a Big 12 title, you know, and bring that kind of thing, like that would make a big difference. Now, that would, I think that would probably require West Virginia <laughs> beating Baylor. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's going to take us beating Baylor. Do like it again. Do it <laughs> again. But, um, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. I think it would be it would be a huge it would be a huge thing. But let's say there's a couple different scenarios with this. Texas beats Tech, but Kansas beats OU, and it looks like Baylor is going to win on the other side. I'm not sure that I would really care if we you know if we had to go up against against Tech and KU and Baylor. Then it's like, you know, the, if we win, what an incredible win, what an awesome thing. But, like, the chances that we win that tournament are, are are so small that it just seems like, okay, I'm not sure it's worth it. If OU beats Kansas, baby, we're all in. And especially if Baylor goes down, like, no matter what the circumstances, if they go down before we play a game, like, let's say before we play the second game against Kansas or the second game against OU or whoever it is, if Baylor goes down, Texas gets your ass in there. K like State going all the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, they. I don't think they could play K State, but uh, oh, but but uh, Iowa State it, going all the way. There we go. There we go. What is the no, it's, it's OU and Iowa State and yeah. Kansas State and TCU on the other side. Okay, so, so like Kansas yes. State going all okay. the way. Okay, my bad. Yeah. So what? What if? What if Scott Drew gets arrested for securities fraud <laughs> on Thursday? <laughs> what if they find out that he really he was the sixth gunner on the grassy knoll? Sixth. Jesus, a little bit overkill. <laughs> exactly. So many kills. All right, guys, you guys ready for this new game we're going to play this time? Let's do so, this. I don't really have a name for it, except I, I guess it made sense to me that calling it this, the pretend we're football draft because of, uh, you know, the, the football draft, right? But for, I guess there's also other we're draft, fantasy but there's also football. drafts. Right, fantasy football, but whatever. Yeah. Pretend yeah. we're football fantasy draft. There we go. I no, like pretend that. pretend we're fantasy football draft. <laughs> okay. Pretend we're fantasy yeah. football draft. All right. There we go. Whatever. We'll, we'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. But yeah. so how this game is going to go is we're going to have three or five rounds. We'll see how long it takes. We're still working this out. And we're each going to have a topic. And we each pick. We each draft. In a snake. A, in a snake draft. It's a snake draft. You know, a it's, it's a pretty classic thing people do. It's you know we're gonna draft like let's say I don't know funniest comedian right, and we'll take oh like I draft I don't know Jim Carrey, Dave Chappelle, Dave and, Chappelle, yeah. yeah that's a better one, right? Yeah, Tim would win that would win that round. But then I go and then Tim go. Obviously, it makes sense, right? We all know what drafts how drafts work. If you don't, then. You'll learn. How did you get onto this podcast not knowing about fantasy sports? Bill Cosby, <laughs> Louis C.K., <Ooh>. and... <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Whoa. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So, what we're, so the thought process here is we, we're trying to cultivate as much interaction with you lovely folks out there who are listeners as possible. And so what we hope to do is that we are going to have a, a snake draft on a different set of circumstances or a different topic each each show. And then from that, you will have an opportunity to then vote 
on who you think wins that particular draft. And if you want to go ahead and and bring in your own picks and kind of uh, put together your own ideas, then post them out there, and we'd love to to hear your interactions and hear what your take would be. So, or give us a topic idea. to draft on as well. So let's go ahead and start this week, uh, Tim. Since you came up with this idea, nope, we'll let nope, you go nope. first. We're gonna we're gonna, oh, we're gonna do rock paper scissors it. So how we're are you gonna, gonna do that? We're gonna do it on on air. It's gonna be great. So okay, here's here's the thought process. So whoever the what will be the best way. So we'll just we'll try it. And if like if two <laughs> if if two of us have the same thing and one person can beat us, we'll just see. Let's just see how it goes. And so we'll just we'll we'll tell the, the view or the listeners right, what it is. This is gonna be okay. great with the sinking. It's of, gonna be of shoot. We'll so rock paper is. scissors shoot, and we're gonna okay. go on shoot. Ready? So. Okay, rock, paper, scissors, shoot. So I had... Oh, fuck it. Okay, <laughs> we're doing it again. So all so of us beat each other. Will had rock, was... I had scissors, Johnny had paper. Okay, rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Curses, all rock. <laughs> rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Son of a bitch. <laughs> we got to come up with something different. This has got to be something okay, different. All right, we're going to do odds and evens. Odds and evens. And whoever whoever is the one odd out, like... uh. Uh, that person goes first. So, like, if if, it's, if you're one of two, then then you do not get to go first, and then you have a one off the next one. Okay. If we all get even or all or odd. Okay, so but we'll, then we'll go again. This one, is this is gonna we'll be. We'll go one, beautiful. two, three, go. One, Seven. two, three, Seven. go. Eight. Wait, wait. How what do we, we do that? Okay, I don't know. Sorry, what this... Tim. <laughs> well, what's right, we, need a, we need to not let the drunkest person run this. So, Will, why don't you do it? Yeah, okay, I'm just going to have a randomizer, all right? Okay. <sighs> all right. Fine. Randomizer. I can't Will chose rock every time. What a dick. I did. <laughs> Look, we gave you four chances to get and it didn't work. And it was all terrible radio, so right. it doesn't... Like, Randomize. It was great right. for it's us. It's Johnny, Will, Tim. Okay. Fine. Yeah, I all think right. you, you don't want to go second. That's all I really know. So I'll, I'll take I'll take the third slot. All I, right, Johnny. I feel like Tim has an extremely specific idea. We still haven't given out the topic. We still haven't given right. the topic. The topic this week is top 90s video games. All right? So what were the best video games? Give me the your like the a best set of three video games. That's what we're trying to create here. So, Johnny, you're on the board. All right. So, Seven o'clock. Uh, my my choice to start this off is Quake. Quake, yes, Quake. Wow, what a what a thrown away the win off the first guess on the first choice. Incredible. Well, okay, I, give me give me your argument there. My my argument is that it is what popularized online multiplayer deathmatch because with Doom it was only land parties. With some others later ones, it was more on the internet, but or, or but Quake was the one where they really started. Like when I was in college, that was the game everybody was playing online. It was when at UT when we got Ethernet, everybody in my dorm was playing Quake, and they had QuakeCon up here up in Dallas. They had tournaments all over the place. So for me, that that was that was the biggest game. So. I know that I am probably going to lose this because I am picking my favorite games, not the quote-unquote best games, but Quake is my pick for one. All right, Will, you're up. Number two. All right. I feel like this one is is an easy one. Yes. Half-Life. 
Half-Life. That, that is was the in my list. best game list. of the 1990s. It is the first game to really nail down the FPS shooter. Have the great has a great story, so great of a story that Half-Life 3 is a meme in in people like waiting for it to come out. And Half-Life 2 just built on top of it, but Half-Life Gordon Freeman, you know, everything just was way heads and shoulders above its counterparts in that decade. And it, it's still the gameplay, the you know, the actual cutscenes, the pacing of it, it just is so good. So can we can we make one quick clarification here that if you pick a game, you're picking like that franchise. So it's not no, like no no not no, no 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 it's no, that no. game. No. That game. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Tim, I, give me give me so the Tim one that we all missed. Picks. I feel like I'm. Yeah, I feel like this is this is the best thing ever. So my first pick, which I am shocked was not the first pick, is I'm Goldeneye. So I'll mm. take Goldeneye as my first pick. Now you guys may well have like the actual gameplay and the and like the true better game, but as far as like a cultural phenomenon or a game that sort of for a lot of people changed the way that they thought about video games as far as what multiplayer can be and. And what kind of you can do with that? To me, Goldeneye just was was life altering from that standpoint. And yes, a game like Halo or a game like Call of Duty obviously came after that. But but never did I really think about a game like I did before or once once Goldeneye came around. So that'd be my that'd be my first pick. My second pick, I've got a lot. I can't believe I have all. I have a list of six. Yeah, wow. Okay, so I have my entire list to choose from here. So. All right, so Goldeneye is my first one. I'm going to say for my second one, I'm going to say Game Breaker 99. So Game Breaker 99 was the first college. What the hell? You, what is that? Did, did you not play this? So Game Breaker 99 was, uh, was a college football game, and it was the first actually like realistic, true-to-life kind of game that I ever played. For like a sports game, like you had like NHL '94, which is also wonderful. Tim, or M- you had it and you threw it away. The win. I I feel like your third pick is going to be super important now. Yeah. I don't know. I think I, you guys might be surprised at how many people love Game Breaker. That that at least where I was, maybe it's an Iowa thing, but Game Breaker was absolutely enormous around us. People played Game Breaker all over the place. Maybe we should just tell everyone that everywhere else it was Game Breaker '98. <laughs> Is that the one I was thinking of? I looked it up. No, too. I just I'm just saying it took a while to get to Iowa. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, anyways, I thought I couldn't remember if it was 98 or 99. So like I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat in this game and say whichever one of the better ones of those. That's what I want to choose. <laughs> but it was just so much fun. Like it just it was it was you know like they had the spin move. It, like it you know if you were used to the things like like uh, Tech Mobile or whatever like it just those games were one way and game breaker was just like wow this is possible i didn't really know that you could have almost you know that that 3d environment and they had actual teams and actual players in the college game and it was just like let's go so yeah game breaker for me is is the my number two all right all, all right. right i'm next well. and i feel like my two choices are going to be very rpg in 1998 heavy as i'm going to pick the legend of zelda ocarina of time i feel like that is one of the best games still to this day still to this day i played it back in high school in 2000 you know in the the late 2000s early yeah don't don't mention the year early aughts all right all right well 
but I, I played it and that game made me cry. Like that game was so good. The story was so good. The gameplay was so good. Okay. Aside from the water temple. Now, obviously it has some issues with being the first 3d Zelda. There's some gameplay issues there, but man, that game stood the state, you know, it kind of stands the test of time, at least story wise. And it's it is still one of the best Zelda games out there. Now, obviously, you have Breath of the Wild and the original Zeldas, but man, it's just it blew. It's it's so good, and I'm it wasn't even as good as Wind that. Waker. Wind Waker immediately was better than it. The very next one that they put out there. Yeah, I mean, Wind Waker was very good, right? Yeah. But also, you had the GameCube, and they had figured out what th- happens with 3D, right? They had figured out the 3D motions of Zel- Zelda, right? But Link, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time is my number two. Johnny? So, the, the issue I have here, the, 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 the dilemma I have, is whether I pick my favorite games or the best games. Because my favorite games are probably going to lose me this thing. Because I know they're not that popular relatively, relative to these all right, um, fuck it. I'm going with the ones I love, um, and I'm gonna lose this whole thing. As you a say result. missed, I'm gonna shit on you. No, no. <laughs> uh, pinball on Windows. No. Um, <laughs> so uh, my second pick is going to be Dune Two, not Doom, but Dune, like the books they made. A real-time strategy game, God, which was oh. the predecessor of the my whole God, Command and Conquer series. Oh my lord! Come on, All right. Dune Two was—I lost an entire summer to that game. It was—it was—it was real-time strategy before Command and Conquer. Like it's the same company, the Westwood or whoever made made that, and then they made Command and Conquer. So it's the predecessor to all that. It didn't have the lasso, so you had to pick each unit individually and move them, which was its own thing. But the combination of the Dune universe and the strategy and the spice and all that and the, you know, the 8-bit sound card and all yeah, I I fucking love that. I I adored that game. I they have it in a browser version of it and I won't go to it because I know I'll lose like 2 hours just playing that stupid game that I can't save anymore. Yeah. It's, that's my second pick. And I know I'm going to lose this whole goddamn draft, but I don't care. And since I'm going to lose this draft, uh, my third pick is going to be Privateer. What? Is that even a game? I've never heard what? of that game. Privateer is the the predecessor to like Freelancer and No Man's Sky and EVE Online. All of those space exploration and resource management and... It's it's an offshoot of the Wing Commander games, is what it is. It's it's from the Wing Commander universe. Is Matthew Lillard I, in in the games or no? No, no this this was not high tech enough to have the live action video. Um, that 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 Wing Commander game came later with like five CDs. Um, <laughs> this was this was you went planet to planet. You had missions. You would battle things in space. You would. Um, trade between planets and stuff and i i i loved the shit out of that game and i played it like crazy and i know i'm going to lose this but i don't care okay well um 
guys, I guess, I, you know, it's I, there's so many games we were missing here. And I want to go over, after we're done with this, I want to go over all the games that we missed here. But again, I guess I'm going to go with another 1998-er, uh, Pokemon Red and Blue. That is a game I know y'all never played, but it is a game no. that has replay value. It has had a cultural impact. It has become a cultural phenomenon, Red and Blue. It, it, it take Pokemon. That's the beginning of your Pokemon franchise, is that. And it is so good to this day, it is playable. It is so good that it has spawned, it, it, it's created this entire market of people who play Pokemon. I enjoy the mechanics of it still. I enjoy going through it and creating it. I know the story. There's not even really a story, but I enjoy it so much that it's it's not just the nostalgia, but also just playing it. People who come in and start playing it, it's a good game. It's a good game. Now, it's a might not be the strongest game I could have picked out of here, but I I had to include it if since y'all didn't. All right, well my last one, and this is this I I'm fully prepared to get some some eye rolls and some vitriol coming from you guys, and this is gonna be there. My last pick is Diddy Kong Racing. Diddy Kong Racing. That that's one of those games where on the one hand it's totally ridiculous and uh, probably overlooked. But we played the absolute shit out of that game, and I have talked to so many people over. It's the better last... than it's better than Mario Kart. It's one Diddy Kong Racing was so fun, and the graphics were super clean, and the gameplay was really easy, uh, and just kind of made sense. And they had like you know you could do on on water and land and in the air, like it was it was just fun, and just the interface was really super intuitive. It just was a really, really fun game. And there was like a, there was like a, you know, you could play it with your friends and have like, you know, the online racing or at least like the, the land racing stuff. Or you could have, you know, you could have like your own, uh, you know, like a, like a personal venture through whatever the races. Uh, it was just, it was just a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, different levels were a lot tougher and stuff. So it was of all the racing games that I wanted to have when I kind of thought about this, I wanted to have like a first person shooter. I wanted to have a sports game and I wanted to have a racing game. I thought about, uh, Oh, what's the game called? Soul Calibur. I thought about like a like a fighting game. I thought about having uh, Civilization. Cause I I lost a lot of time to that. Like my sophomore, junior year, summer, or whatever. When I you know whenever I was yeah, at a tennis tournament. When the fiance heard we were talking about this, she said she would have voted for Sim City. Yeah, I thought about that. Roller Coaster of- Tycoon. <laughs> Uh, what was the other one I thought about? But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of games out there. I mean, Mortal Kombat is one we missed. Yep. We missed Mortal Kombat. We missed, uh, what is it? Uh, Metal Gear. We missed all the Metal Gear. Yeah, no, I had, I had Metal Gear Solid lower in my list. Yes. Diablo is as a, one of those MMORPGs, the starter. You wanted a sports game, Tim? NBA Jam. That's true. Yeah, but NBA Live, NBA Live 95 was awesome. Absolutely right. awesome, and so and NHL '94 was super great. You wanted um, a, a fight game, Super Smash Bros. Yeah, I thought about those too. I just, uh, God dang it! What about the... you know Star Fox '64 or even Super Mario '64 or, or Super Mario World? Yeah, Starcraft. Super Mario '64 was wonderful. Starcraft, you're right, Johnny. Except There's also look, I, I have an, I have a list of more popular games I could have picked, like Sonic Duke 2? Nukem. I could have picked that. Yeah. Twisted Metal was on my list. Um, yeah, just I, I had like I, it, I really wanted to pick Descent. 
because I really <laughs> love that game. Yeah. Um, that's another game that's probably older than Will, um, but I really enjoyed it. It was the first one that had like, you were actually doing like 360 flying, which was kind of cool. Um, uh, Here's what also, I'm, I'm the, interested if y'all have heard of it. System Shock 2? Yep. Yeah, it was sort of a horror FPS kind of thing. Yeah, it, yeah, and it's just an incredible story, and the pacing is just along the sides of Half Life and Half Life Two. It's just it's a great story, but yeah, hey, no. here's here's another one. Like if we had gone like eight rounds deep, I there's no way I would have been able to resist picking Gabriel Knight Sins of the Fathers, <laughs> which you're not gonna know. I bet Tim doesn't know. It was a PC game that was like sort of a mystery adventure type game. Like it was like a sort of a, but it was super dark and it dealt with the occult and it was, it was in like new Orleans. So there was like this whole like voodoo thing to it. It was, it was scary as shit, frankly, like not in like a resident evil sort of way. It was just like had that dread, Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, I, I feel yeah. pretty remiss not choosing a Resident Evil game or like the new Tetris or Gran Turismo. Like there were a lot of games out there that were like that. that were just like, oh my gosh. But here's one that I'm interested if y'all have heard of. And I think it honestly, I, I probably should have picked it. Chrono Trigger. I've heard of it. I never played it. Oh, the, the original Syndicate game was in the 90s too. That was a good one too. I really like Syndicate. Earthbound. Earthbound, mm-hmm. the video game. That's a good one. We're so, not even talking about some of those like like Star Wars simulators games like like X Wing or Tie Fighter or whatever that oh, yeah. had a lot of a Rogue Squadron that had tons and tons of people that played it. Yeah, this is gonna be a two hour podcast, y'all. All right, so let's but, let's uh, let's let's recap what our what our choices were. So Johnny, your choices were Quake, Dune Two, and Privateer. <laughs> Coming in second, Will is. <laughs> oh whoa! All right. Mine were Half-Life, Legend of Zelda, uh, Ocarina of Time, and Pokemon, Red and Blue. And mine were Goldeneye, Game Breaker, whichever between 98 and 99 was better. I think 99. And then uh, Diddy Kong Racing. What do you think, listeners? (sighs) Bob and Houston, give us your 90s games shout-outs. Let's go. Yeah, we're gonna get rocked. We're gonna get rocked. We, we we're gonna get rocked in the comments. <laughs> but anyways, y'all, thank you for hanging out with us for the past hour and a half, probably two hours, maybe. Uh, this has been. Uh, thank y'all for pitting rear football for the past hour and a half, hour two, two hours, whatever. I think I already said that. Uh, I've been your host, Will Bazer. You guys can find me on Twitter at w i l l b a i z e r. So you guys need to hear about it from me. Uh, Johnny, Mr. Johnny Brashear, where can we find you? I am preemptively deleting all of my social media after this draft, so you can't find me anywhere. Um, I was at Twitter at Bitter White Guy. I, I, I am still on Substack, bitterwhiteguy.substack.com because I can uh, delete comments at will. So there's that. Not unpoignantly pontificating? No, I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't didn't do that you liar right yeah yeah then mr timothy preston mr tim preston where can we find you yeah insidetexas.com and on twitter inside texas hoop no s awesome uh, community come hang out with us all righty you guys can find other shows like this one on the horns cast channel which you guys can find on any podcasting platform out there if you're not listening to your it on your favorite one then go ahead and subscribe there also, subscribing, very important when it comes to 
getting the show. Uh, Horns cast. On that note, thank you all for listening. We'll see you all next week. Hook them. Hook them. Tim, you don't have to do this week. Give us those five-star rankings.